Welcome to Light It Up, a podcast about resilient women balancing motherhood, their careers, personal lives, and all of the challenges that come along with being a superwoman. Each week, you'll be motivated to take action to lead, inspire, transform, and empower. Now, here's your host, Dr. Regina Mashira. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Light It Up. I want to thank you for joining me. I am your host, Dr. Regina Mashira, and today we are going to end out the month of October um, with the conversation about breast cancer awareness and and cancer awareness in general, because as you know, uh, we began the month with uh, a friend of mine, Evie Dali, who is a breast cancer survivor. Today, I have a very special guest, Cynthia Turnquest, who is from the Cancer Support Center, which is located um, in Homewood, Illinois, and there's also a second location in Mokina. And Cynthia is the Director of Outreach and Strategic Partners at the Cancer Support Center, and she's been gracious enough to join us today to talk about all of the great programs and um, support that they offer um, those who have been diagnosed and who are battling cancer. So welcome to Light It Up, Cynthia. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. So happy to be here. Yes. So this is, um, I want to give you an opportunity to talk to the audience about your work uh, with the Cancer Support Center and also what the center does um, for those who are um breast cancer warriors, I'm sorry, cancer warriors and, and survivors, because the focus is not only on breast cancer, obviously other forms of cancer, but since we are in the month of October, I think that's breast cancer is fresh on my brain. But if you could just talk to us about um, your role at the support center and what you all do in the community. Sure. Um, well, you know, I have been with the Cancer Support Center now for for over 10 years, um, I came to the center uh, actually as a volunteer. I was a member of their junior board. Um, I was at home with small children. And of course, um, you know, I've always been one that feels, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of your duty to, to give back philanthropically and volunteer wise. So, so when I was approached uh, to, to, by a friend to come to a meeting, you know, I was happy to. Um, I, I joined the board and worked for, for several years on the board. And um, then um, I found out about my dad's diagnosis with cancer. And so that really changed things. That really put you know, things in a different light for me, a different perspective. Suddenly I was kind of on the other side of the fence. You know, uh, I had never had a close cancer experience in my life before. Um, and, and suddenly, um, you know, it, 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 it really changed things for me. Um, um, I ended up losing my dad um, to cancer and uh, the center was really there for me in a way, not in the traditional sense, but, um, but in a way that uh, really helped me transition through that difficult time. So just by volunteering and, and being with other people uh, that, that had a connection to cancer uh, was very therapeutic to me. I didn't utilize the services in the traditional sense. I didn't see a counselor, um, but the volunteering aspect was big for me and it really helped me a lot. Um, then uh, during my tenure as, a, as on the board, uh, a position became available uh, for their community relations manager. 
and my kids had gotten older and had started school. And so I said, and I have a background in marketing and public relations and communications. And I said, you know what? I think this might be the place for me. And, and you know, I made a call and, and, and went and interviewed. And before you know it, you know, I was, I was in that position. And, and really the 10 years has gone by tremendously fast because um, I feel like what I do is, I, I almost feel like I'm Santa Claus because I get to go in the community. I am, the, I am one of the chief ambassadors for the community. Um, and I go and I share, I do speaking engagements and, and presentations and, and this is kind of my world, um, um, pre-COVID, so we'll get to that later on how all those things have changed a little bit. But really, um, just just the, the idea was for me to get out into the community, build partnerships, um, provide information to individuals, um, to let them know about this wonderful, wonderful resource that, that's in the Southland area. And it's all free of charge. So um, what those services include are obviously therapeutic services. So you have counseling and uh, networking groups, um, support groups, individual counseling, um, which is a big deal because other organizations of our kind, and, and mind you, we're the only one of our kind in the Southland area. There is no one else that does what we do uh, in the Southland area, but other organizations in metropolitan Chicago that do do what we do, um, a lot of them aren't able to do the individual counseling anymore for obvious reasons, you know, economic reasons, um, um, but, but we're still able to maintain that service, which is huge for a lot of people. Um, but as I said, we have um, networking groups and support groups for every type of cancer you can imagine, um, not just for the individuals with cancer. So it's our, their loved ones, um, their caregivers, um, their children um, bereaved if you've lost a loved one due to cancer, we have groups as well. Um, but we also have um, amazing um, wellness programs. Um, and they're really surrounded around our five point model of, of program service, um, which, which covers nutrition, uh, fitness, counseling and stress management, uh, education and networking, and body image. So we have all sorts of programs. So we'll have nutrition classes. So you can come and you can, you know, learn how to make um, healthy meals that can then can help aid. And if you're having some side effects due to your treatments, you know, we'll have courses on supplements or or spices and, and, and things like that that can help, you know, aid it when you're struggling in those areas and just overall good nutrition and how it is a part of the healing process when it comes to battling cancer. Um, our fitness programs, we have, uh, you know, Zumba and, and we have all sorts of movement classes and, and yoga and things like that to just get that body moving and keep you strong and keep you energized. Um, uh, we have a stress management, um, we have meditation and, and we have yoga, uh, we have gentle massage. And, and keep in mind, all of our therapists and all of our program facilitators, facilitators are licensed and certified. We do not take the health and well-being of our participants lightly. Um, so we might um, function a great deal with volunteers because we have a great robust volunteer program, but we absolutely ensure that our, that our um, program uh, therapists and facilitators are paid and licensed and certified. So, um, but um, 
We also have an amazing kids programs. Mm -hmm. um, so we have kids club and kids camp and winter camp and, and um, um, we have family therapy. So you can come in with the entire family. Um, you know, it's really important for people to understand that, you know, cancer impacts everyone. Yeah, you know, not just the not just the individual with cancer. It impacts the the children, the husband, the you know the the spouse, the best friend, mm -hmm. you know the next door neighbor. So um, so really, we we work really hard to try and address the needs of 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 everyone that's impacted by cancer, and at whatever stage you're in 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 your journey with cancer everyone doesn't necessarily you know walk through our doors at time of diagnosis you know i used to i used to my office used to sit i had a big picture window in my office and it used to sit on the sit right at the 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 um the parking lot and i would on numerous occasions see cars come in and they would park and they would just sit there mm. and then they would leave no one would get out the car and then maybe next week i'd see that same car come back you know, and it would sit there. And then maybe by the third time or the fourth time, the person would actually get out. Mm. Because the first step is the hardest, just walking through the door, you know, because oftentimes that's a person's really first, um, maybe um, admittance that, you know, yeah. I have cancer, you know, and I need help, you know. Yeah. So, so yeah, so we try to meet people wherever they are. Mm -hmm. And sometimes a support group or counseling really isn't the best way, you know, to, to, to introduce someone to our services. They're apprehensive. You know, it's a trust factor there. I don't know you. I don't want to be vulnerable with you. So maybe you come to a nutrition class mm -hmm. and you learn about healthy eating, or maybe you come to a meditation session where you don't speak at all, mm -hmm. you know, and that's that gentle introduction. And you start to make friends and you start to you know, meet and, and establish trust with our, with our therapists. And then before you know it, you're transitioning into other, you know, program areas. So we really just try to, to try to meet people where they are, provide as many programs that we can um, with the hopes that, you know, it will be, um, it will be impactful as people journey through cancer. Yeah. How long has the Cancer Support Center been in existence in the South? Oh, we, I think we're in 28 years now. We celebrated our 25th anniversary uh, about three years ago. So yeah, we'll be, we'll be hitting 30 years soon. And, and we started off with a, a small little storefront. I think it was on Halstead, <laughs> you know, with one therapist and a volunteer who answered the phone. We had six amazing uh, founders, women that were from the Southland area. One was a, an oncology nurse, one uh, uh, was a, um, a respite, uh, a, a hospice nurse, mm -hmm. um, um, two um, women that were battling cancer themselves. Um, and, and they all came together because they were utilizing services in the Western suburbs. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were like, this is, you know, this is crazy. You know, we need something like that here. And, um, and so they made a few calls and, and they were kind of discouraged. They were like, unless you have a big hospital backing you or, or, you know, some big, large funding source, you know, good luck with that. Mm -hmm. And as you know, us Southsiders, we don't take, you know, no <laughs> for an answer. Right. So um, they, they partnered with some local Ingalls Hospital, which is now part of you know, University of Chicago now, but at the time they were community, small community hospital. Mm -hmm. We partnered with um, with um, uh, 
several oncologists there that were on our professional board. And before you know it, started fundraising. Um, and, uh, you know, here we are, you know, we, we, we have two locations now and, and we're thriving and we're meeting the needs of, you know, so many people. It's amazing. That's awesome. I mean, and I, I really like the fact that it seems to be just a holistic program in terms of the services that are provided. And then you factor in the caregiver, the, the spouse, the children, et cetera, because from the conversations that I've had with, you know, the two friends of mine who um, have battled uh, cancer, they talked about the support system with their family, but also being concerned about how their diagnosis has impacted them. In fact, one um, mentioned that she felt like she needed to be strong for them, you know, um, mm -hmm. actually they both mentioned the same thing that they felt like they needed to be strong, that they, you know, needed to provide their family uh, with reassurance that they were going to be, be okay. Um, so it's, yeah, that's a very common, common theme. Um, um, that's why the center is so important. It's a soft place for people to land because, you know, the survivors tend to, to really have this kind of strong exterior that they feel they have to maintain because they are concerned about their loved ones. They're concerned about the kids and the husband and the, you know, their, their friends, and they want to maintain some sense of normalcy when really there's nothing normal about what's happening to them, right? Mm -hmm. And so to be able to come to the center, to be able to be in the presence of other people that either are going through the same thing or maybe have been through and can provide some sort of, you know, support and insight to them um, is is tremendous. It's tremendous. It's it's that sigh of relief. It's that that deep breath that you can take, you know, knowing that I'm in a safe place and I can kind of unload this and not worry that it's going to be a burden to a family member. And 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 the same goes for the family member. So we have a we have a great. Uh, support group, a brain tumor group that's one of our largest groups. And we um, have, they, they meet together, they meet once a month, they come together for a joint session, but then midway through the evening, they break off and the caregivers go into another area with a separate uh, therapist and then the, the survivors stay. And really what that does is that kind of allows the caregiver, because it works both ways, it allows the caregiver so, you know, we always use that, that saying, when you get on the place, you have to put your, you know, your oxygen mask on first, right? Mm -hmm. That's them putting their oxygen mask on because they need to be taken care of as well. They need that support system that's, that's aside from their loved one so that they can speak with other caregivers that are going through the frustrations and the fears and the anxieties and things like that. They have that ability to kind of process through what's going on so that when they are with their loved one that's battling that cancer, they can be the best support system they can be, but they've got to take care of themselves first. And that's what a lot of caregivers don't realize. They don't realize that their health and mental health and physical health, because this all goes hand in hand, right. is just as important as at this time as their loved ones. Mm -hmm. Now, usually, how does the referral process work? I mean, I know that obviously you're in, in existence here in the Southland, but typically what happens? Um, does the hospital, the local hospital maybe, you know, mm -hmm. refer 
we have a lot of touch points. Okay. So, uh, so, and as I'm saying, this is pre-COVID now. Right. So, <laughs> so um, I also run um, an outreach ambassador program. So I have 150 outreach volunteers, ambassadors, we call them, that go out into all of the area, area hospitals and healthcare facilities. And they set up outreach tables. They do it once, twice a month. They're actually on the oncology floors in the radiation departments, you know, wherever um, um, really, you know, participants that would be coming to the center are, that's where we, you know, that's where you'll find us. And a lot of them are survivors themselves, not all of them, but a great deal of them, I would say probably about 80% of my volunteers are survivors themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a testimony to us because that means they want to come back and give back. So that's wonderful. So you will find us in all of the hospitals. So, you know, like I said, St. James, the Franciscans, you know, Ingalls UFC, uh, South Suburban Advocate, all, all of the area uh, hospitals, Alpha Med and, and, and uh, the affiliate oncologists, all of those, you'll find us there. Mm -hmm. But we also have partnerships with, with hospitals as well. So when they're doing their intake, they have our information, they have referral forms. Of course, we have to have permission, obviously, from, from the, the patient themselves, but they'll fill out when they're going through their, their intake, they'll fill out that information and then they send it to us. And then we then contact um, you know, the individual, inviting them to come in or giving them additional resources you know, via mail. Um, um, but, and, and then we do, you know, um, I can, we probably averaged about 50 health fairs and community expos and things like that. Those same ambassadors and myself, we would, we would go to those, you know, you, you've seen all of them in the community. You're constantly probably seeing advertisements for them. Um, I do speaking engagements. So, you know, the Kiwanis Club might call me or, you know, the Lions Club or school districts. You'd be surprised how cancer impacts students and how, how people don't realize, you know, because you think, oh, this is a child or this is a teenager. They're really not tuned into what's happening. Oh, they're very much tuned into what's happening, but they're not often able to articulate that. So you might see things that happen that are uncharacteristic of the student. Maybe their grades are dropping. Maybe they're having behavioral problems. And you're thinking, you know, what's wrong with junior? Like this is, this is, a, but Hmm. If grandmother has a, you know, grandma, grandma had a diagnosis or God forbid the child themselves has a diagnosis, you know, um, this is going to tremendously impact them and their, their, the way they function, you know, at school. And we take for granted that the teachers and the staff are capable of, first of all, identifying those changes and then addressing them most effectively. So we have programs where we go into the schools and we give workshops and we give seminars to, uh, to teachers, to social workers, to nurses, to administrators, so that they're able to, first of all, recognize when there is, there is a cancer crisis going on in the classroom with a student, and then being able to offer them resources to address those. Um, so, so we try, you know, we're, we're a, a, a mighty small, you know, uh, force, but we get out there and we do the best we can, you know, to get the word out as best as, 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 as best we possibly can. That's absolutely wonderful. And, and now, and, you know, you've mentioned that obviously we're in, 
COVID. And prior to COVID, you know, obviously folks could come in person for how has the cancer um, support center been able to pivot? What are you all doing in the midst of COVID to help to continue to support? Well, you know, when you say pivot, let me tell you, Dr. Bahama, we have done backflips. We haven't just pivoted. We have done things that we thought we would never be able to. So the interesting part about it is right before COVID hit, really, we, so what we did was uh, in March, we, we closed our doors on a Friday and at the very end of March. Mm-hmm. And that Monday, we were up and running with a virtual presence that was out of this world. And prior to COVID really, you know, kind of hitting hard in January, we were working on our strategic plan for the next five years. Okay. And that strategic plan included us really expanding and, and really kind of taking our virtual programming to another level. That was over five years we were planning for. Mm-hmm. Five years, not, not five you know weeks or five days, right? Okay. And this is literally what we, and, and this is such a, t- we have such an amazing staff. We have such an amazing program staff and marketing staff and just overall, just amazing group of folks that just, we dove in. So what we did was, we, we transferred all of our support groups to Zoom platform. So everything that we were doing live and in person in terms of our networking groups and our support groups, we transferred them over to, to Zoom. And we, let me tell you, we got our participants, they, I mean, and, and, our, and our typical demographic, you know, I mean, we service all ages, but really a lot of our demographics are, are you know, 50 plus. Mm-hmm. So this platform isn't necessarily the most familiar to a lot of people, but really they wanted it. They wanted it bad. So they, they were there, they were flexible and pliable and patient, and we were able to walk. We have some amazing participant navigators that would be on the phone, just walking people through the steps on how to get on, how to load the app, how to do whatever needs to be done. Um, We continued with um, our telephone consultations for individual counseling. So all of our therapists, their schedules were just packed back to back with phone calls. We even made calls, check-in calls. Our participant navigators were calling our our, you know, our, you know, folks to make sure that they were okay and they were safe and sheltered in. Um, we also have, um, if you go to our website, which is www.cancersupportcenter.org, we have um, just a whole library of, of um, online programming that you can just tap into at any time. And you can do a yoga class, you can take a cooking class, you can, you know, just, we have all sorts of um, professional programs where doctors and experts in the field can would, would did seminars for us to come in to tell you about your, your certain types of cancers, certain types of treatment, um, you know, even things like, you know, the legal aspect to how to, how to, you know, create a will and things like that. I mean, we have all sorts of muni- uh, um, medicinal um, cannabis, you know what I mean? Though that's a big, very much a big topic now, you know, on how to, how to best, um, utilize that as a as a means to 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 deal with some side effects to cancer and things like that. So we have so much information out there. People really felt felt connected. The the one thing that so we were so we were we had closed the doors and we had sheltered in place for for several months, and then we opened our doors to for limited hours 
or emergency um, walk-in. So, you know, you might have a newly diagnosed that just can't get what they need via, you know, the phone or via Zoom. So we would have a therapist there that would meet behind a plexiglass, you know, window, um, everyone's masked. I mean, we, we went through all the precautions, six feet apart, more than six feet apart. Um, we also have a wig boutique. So if you've lost your hair due to treatment, you could come and get a brand new wig free recharge. Well, when we were closed down for those few months, we were still handing out wigs. We would we would um, do Zoom calls where the participant would, you know, kind of show us what they wanted, and we would kind of show them what we had, and we would mail or, and and that was challenging, uh, but we did it. But um, that was another thing when we opened our doors for limited hours. We had individual by appointment only because before we would accept you know walk-ins for wigs you know we didn't turn anybody away but this was you know individual walk-in uh i mean individual by appointment um you know uh uh, uh uh meetings with folks so that we could actually fit people for wigs and and so we've slowly you know been trying to just stay safe it's that everybody's doing it you know trying to still meet the need because here's the thing the need is greater than ever now can you imagine having a cancer diagnosis but having a cancer diagnosis you know during covid you know like that's almost unthinkable so even though we're trying to be safe we recognize that people need us now more than ever mm -hmm. you know and actually our numbers our participant numbers have gone up 300 percent wow. because now you have people that, you know, they various barriers. So maybe mm -hmm. I'm in treatment and, and my immune system is really low. So I'm not going to come out. Right. So I'll miss, I'll miss a program or I'm just fatigued and I just, I'm not up to it. So I'm not going to come out or I have transportation issues. I can't get there, you know, things like, or I have children that I've got to stay home with or find care for them. And I can't bring, you know, there's so many barriers that prevent people from, from, you know, seeking, you know, our, our, our services. And so now I can just turn on my computer and plug in. Like we had kids camp this summer. And for the first time, we actually had kids that were in current treatment that were participating in kids camp. Oh. How great is that? Huh. You've got a kid that's in treatment, but still is able when he comes home to turn on, log on the computer and still have art and music and all those wonderful things. That, that he or she needs like even more so, right? Yeah. So if there's a silver lining in all this COVID yuckiness, mm -hmm. that's really it is that we've provided even more options for our participants, participants to be able to utilize our services. And that's certainly to your point, one of the things that I've been trying to find like the silver lining. The silver lining, that's right. That so many people um, within their organizations or what have you have become so, um, they've become innovative in the way that they've provided um, services to their constituents. And it's really forced us all to think outside of the box. Oh, yes. And to do so quickly, you know. Yes, right, right, exactly. And if you're in the midst of preparing your five-year strategic plan, but you've got to try to work this into a very, you know, obvious, yeah. you know, to roll out within a matter of weeks or months. Oh so, my gosh. For, yeah. Absolutely. And I'll give you a perfect example of, of innovation and creativity. So 
we were entering spring is a big fundraising time of year for us. So, you know, we're a not-for-profit, you know, we don't receive any, you know, state or federal funding. So we really rely upon our fundraising efforts and donations and grants and things that we've got a really robust, robust development department that works really hard. Mm -hmm. But we were entering that, you know, our fundraising season and, you know, everything came to a screeching halt and we're like, okay, what are we going to do? So we had closed our doors. We were, I think, uh, our spring walk of hope, which brings in about $100,000 for us, we had to postpone. So that was shut down. That was supposed to happen in May. Um, we said, what are we going to do? Our gala was coming up, all these other things. What are we going to do? So we, so our executive director had the idea, let's do a good old-fashioned telethon. Now, let me tell you, <laughs> we all remember, I don't know, you're young, maybe you're younger than me. I don't know, Dr. Muhammad, but I remember Jerry Lewis and Lou Rawls, you know, those were all, and I was like, oh my God. Now we still had to be, we still had to be socially distanced. Mm -hmm. So that meant that all of the programming that came in, so all of the, the, the fun stuff that you would see, that had to be either live streamed in or videotaped and recorded. And really the only live people that were there in studio, which was, was the center, was, was the executive director and myself. Mm -hmm. So we, can I tell you, <laughs> oh my God. First of all, when I think about it now, I kind of break out in hives because I'm like, I can't believe we did that. You know what I mean? I was like, I can't believe we just, we did it. And in the matter of, I think it was like five weeks, six, five or six weeks, we pulled it together. We had a, a four hours of programming that was just amazing. And we brought in like $70,000. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. So, you know, so yeah, innovation, we had never done it before. Folks just supported and just came through for us like never before. And, and we were able to do it and, and, and really bring in some funding that was much needed, much needed at that time. So yeah, I do want to ask how, if people want to get involved and volunteer, mm -hmm. what do they need to do? I mean, I know in the midst of this, maybe yeah. that might look differently. It does. It does. Well, funding opportunities have, have, have kind of decreased somewhat, um, but th that's not, we're, you know, that, that's going to change because all this is all finite. COVID's going to, we're going to beat this. We're going to get through this. So we're going to get back to our normal mode of operation. But what you would normally do is on our website, we have a tab that's a um, how to get involved tab. And you would just pop that tab. And there's a, there's a, another tab that says volunteering. And you, you go to there and there's a volunteer application. Really, we, we have different areas of volunteerism. So as I mentioned before, I run a outreach ambassador program that's really popular. That's a huge part of our volunteering because they really are the voice of the center. They represent us in so many ways that I would not be able to. We, we have, you know, we service over 21 counties. Our, we have over you know, 70 communities that we that we reach from anywhere from Blue Island to to really actually not even Blue Island, actually south side of Chicago. We have a strong, strong presence of folks that that will come from the city to the suburbs to utilize our services all the way through Joliet and even uh, Northwest Indiana. We've got a lot of folks that will come in. So so there's no way that I would be able to, you know, to 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 go to all those different communities and do outreach. So so our outreach ambassador program is huge. Um, um, and then we have a lot of special events volunteers. So because we have four major fundraisers that we do every year, we have two walks of hope, one in, 
in the spring in the Frankfurt area, one in the fall, which is in Homewood, and we have a golf outing and we have a gala. And those we're constantly looking for volunteers to help not only the day of, but you can sit on those committees and you can help organize them. Um, um, but we constantly need volunteers. We do also need um, volunteers when our doors are open and we have regular business hours. We have volunteers that answer the phone, that do mailings for us. Um, we also have um, several ancillary boards. So we have a women's board and actually our women's board was our very first board that really helped raise some of the seed money for the center. Um, they do a fashion show, they do a house walk and things like that. Um, um, and then we have um, a junior board, which is kind of, you know, that that 20 something, you know, demographic kind of out of, you know, out of, out of college and, and, and they do a lot of their, their activities in the city, you know, so that's a fun group if, if you're looking to be involved and you're kind of a young person that wants to get your feet wet in, 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 in that area. Then we have two community boards. Uh, one is in the Mokina area and one's in the home, Homewood area. And they do a lot of fundraising as well. You know, they have a big Halloween party and a March Madness and, you know, all sorts of fun stuff they do. And really the, the goal is for them to just be a presence in the community from a, you know, just kind of a fun, fun, you know, kind of aspect doing fun, fundraising and events and things like that. And just keeping that presence in the community and just being that ambassador. So, so there's lots of ways to get involved. And um, I do have an orientation that I do quarterly. So when you fill out your application, you will receive a notice of when that orientation is. All of that is kind of be, has been on, you know, kind of we've suspended that temporarily now. So just hold tight. But um, I still will process, you know, applications that come in and you will get a notification when we kind of start back with, the, with that process. But there's lots of ways to be involved. This is great. Now, I'm just curious. I mean, one of the um, one of the things that I'm curious to know is um, because you have all of these great resources, what has been, I think, um, some of the barriers that may, you know, keep people or may have in the past, I guess, mm -hmm. kept people from um, accessing the support center. I know you talked about, you know, some folks who, you know, parked in the parking lot three or four times before they finally came in. So that right. was something that they had to come to terms with, you know, on their own. Mm -hmm. But are there any other sort of barriers that you think that, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And that's so interesting that you would ask that question because, you know, we, for 25 years, kind of our model of service has been, we're here for you. So we, we have this beautiful facility. Now we have two facilities that, um, that were there to bring people into our space. Because think about it, 25 years ago, you know, support services looked a little differently and, 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 and that, that um, that partnership with 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 health the healthcare arena looked a little different, right? Um, they didn't necessarily you know play nice in the sand. You know they thought that we were the fluff part, right? And I get that because they're there to take care of that physical you know aspect of the healing process. But we've always been one that says this is a joint effort. You know you have to take care of the whole person, the psychological, the social, psychosocial part. So back kind of 25 years ago, you didn't have, you know, the, the, the aesthetics that we have now. So if you go to some of the newer hospitals like Silver Cross or 
you know, they've got waterfalls and the, the waiting areas and they've got, you know, the, the mood lighting and the soft colored walls, whereas before, you know, you fluorescent bulbs and, you know, all those kinds of things that were very harsh. So what we were trying to do was we were trying to create that aesthetic in our facility so that when you came in, you felt like you were in your own living room. You mm -hmm. felt, you know, we've got a lot of soft couches and big pillows and you know beautiful colored walls and all those kinds of things and music playing and things like that so that was really important well and and that always has and it still continues to be important but things are changing right mm -hmm. so now people are treatments are changing and um people are are oftentimes working during treatment so mm -hmm. so that looks a little different so so now we about 10 years ago, we started partnering with the hospitals and doing programming at hospitals, right? So that now, if you can't come to the center, say you're working and you just don't have the time, when you're there getting your treatment, then maybe you can stop and take yoga or stop and, you know, meet with our nutrition educator about, you know, your meal plan or something like that. So that was the next step, right? Was coming outside of our doors to meet the needs of people that can't necessarily get to us. Well, fast forward now to today, another 10 years later, we're finding that the barriers are even vaster. So, so let's talk about um, food insecurities, okay? So one of our, one of our uh, five point model programming has to do with nutrition. So we are very adamant about, you know, you have to nurture the body, that's, that's part of the healing process. So we teach you about foods, healthy foods and things like that. What about people who live in food deserts? Mm -hmm. So you, they still get cancer. So how do that? So if we're telling you that you need to go and you need to eat properly and you need to, you know, take care of yourself nutritionally, but yet you either don't have a, a grocery store that has fresh produce and, and, and vegetables in your in your area, or you don't have transportation to get to a, a grocery store that you know has all those things, what do we do? Right. So what we've been doing is we, we, we've been partnering. We, there's a wonderful organization run actually by one of our uh, participants, um, Ann Jackson, who, who runs a, a nutrition food uh, pop-up organization. She comes to the center. We, this is a new relationship, so we've only done two now, but these are definitely going to be regular um, pop-up events and we set up in our parking lot and she brings she she brings fresh she partners with local farmers and brings fresh fruits and produce and we have grains and healthy foods and and it's such a wonderful experience you have especially during COVID you have an appointment where you're the only one there and you get to go to each station and shop for your own foods and it's wonderful so we're so all of our participants that might be experiencing a food insecurity because they're afraid to go out during COVID and go to the grocery store or they live in an area where they can't, they don't have those things. Now we're able to, to fill that need. We're, we're able to bridge that gap. Um, you know, I, we're, we're partnering, um, you know, with, with the local villages. Um, uh, one of the local hospitals um, did a needs assessment that identified uh, four areas in the Southland area that had the highest mortality rates in breast and prostate cancer. And we were able to secure a grant that was allowing us now to actually go into those communities and to actually do screenings 
to actually provide them resources and, and information. We just had a panel discussion last week on breast cancer. We're doing one November 18th on prostate cancer. And we're going to be able to then, you know, in the spring, hopefully be able to bring, you know, um, screening uh, 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 mechanisms to the community so that they don't have to go anywhere but in their own backyards to have these important screenings done. So I think you're seeing an evolution even within our own, you know, mode of, 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 of care, you know, support services, how we're recognizing needs and we're doing the best we can to, to really ebb and flow and to, to, to fill in those gaps and to provide those bridges. And the key is the partnerships. We can't do it by ourse ourselves. We're partnering with some amazing organizations in the community and villages and other you know, uh, public service organizations, the fraternal and sororal organizations as well have been partnering with us, the Omegas and the Deltas and, and all these wonderful groups that are just, we're, we're doing amazing things, I'm telling you. Well, that's awesome. I am very excited. I mean, I know I've, I've been in, in the community for, I don't know, it's been about six years now. And I know when I met you, that's, who I knew you as the person from the cancer support. Right, right. <laughs> so um, I'm really um, excited about the work that you are doing that you're involved in. And I think it is so important to actually do work that you're passionate about. And so, you know, when I think about your story, it's just amazing how it's come full circle um, for you and, and your involvement. I would certainly like for you to, before we wrap up, let people know again, what's the website. Um, so if they want to, um, you know, check out the programs and services that are offered, if they're interested in preparing for mm -hmm. volunteerism, once we get back to normal, if you could give the website and just how folks can get in contact. Absolutely. Well, you can reach us at www.cancersupportcenter.org. Uh, we have two locations one in Homewood on Elm Street and one uh, in Mokina on 196th Street and LaGrange Road uh, with limited hours. So I would encourage you to visit our website for those hours. And, um, you know, certainly, you know, you can reach out to me at Cynthia Turnquest at cturnquest at cancersupportcenter.org. Uh, if you have any specific questions, um, that's what I'm here for. I'm happy to help. Awesome. Well. I would love to have you come back um, just so we could talk about some other programming and what else you all are doing, you know, in the beginning of the year. So we're, you know, winding down 2020. I think all of us want to get out. Of I know, I know it's time, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. I would love to have you come back um, and, and definitely just share all of the great work that you all are doing so that we can remind people that the resources available and there is also an opportunity to get involved. So I thank you so very much for- Thank you. Thank you for having me. I, we so appreciate the opportunity to share. Absolutely. So thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So you promise you're gonna come back again. I promise, I promise, yes. All right. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of Light It Up. You know, I always try to provide you all with resources that are available right in your own backyard. Um, so make sure you share this episode with others because I am sure that there is someone who can benefit um, from all of the resources that are available at the Cancer Support Center. So 
make sure you tune in next week uh, for another episode of Light It Up. And as always, don't forget to continue to light it up and shine bright like a diamond. Thanks for joining me this week on Light It Up. Make sure you visit my website at www.lightituppodcast.com or www.ajinamohammed.com. You can also find me on social media using the handle at Light It Up Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or you can simply tell a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next time, light it up and shine bright like a diamond.